Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, Jacob DeGrom signed with the Texas Rangers for five years, $185 million. That concludes our Jacob DeGrom discussion for the day. My name is Bobby Wagner. I guess my name is Alex Baisley. And this is Tipping Pitches. <laughs> Hi, Alex. Yeah, no, I know. How's it going? Yeah. How are you? How are you doing? This is our first pod back in person mm-hmm. in like a month. In a month, yeah. Um, last time we were at our respective hometowns doing it remotely. It's nice to be back in the same room as you. We got our brand new LED sign to make this a real studio. Mm-hmm. It's a studio vibe in here. I hope everybody can tell the energy. Right. I hope you can hear the 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 sign sitting like propped precariously on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Big startup energy yeah, in here. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like you're drinking a cold brew. <laughs> We're all just hanging out. No shoes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> our interns are in the other room playing like uh, foosball. <laughs> No, foosball is too loud. That's not a very good audio internship. Oh, true. They're playing Fortnite. Mm, yep. Nerds. Yeah, in like beanbag chairs. <laughs> drinking beer, <laughs> drinking IPAs. No, hard kombucha. I hope that you can hear, frankly, the denial in my voice. <laughs> I hope that everybody can hear that that feeling. <laughs> when you told me, so you, let me just pull listeners behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, yeah, set the scene. We're having a, a fun Friday night. You know, back in New York City, everybody's back from the holidays, hanging out. We were um, celebrating my partner Phoebe's birthday, having the lasagna night, as I chronicled in the Tipping Pitches Slack, my, mm-hmm. las- my the, the Lasagna Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new television show for Hulu. That's some really dramatic music in the background. They're going to do a lot of Zoom shots of the lasagna. Um, we're, we've plated the lasagna. Mm-hmm. We've plated the, the lasagna's on the plate. Everybody's yes, getting it's ready. It's steaming. To we're the, about to dig the in. Lasagna. And you turn to me like somebody is dead. Like the blood drained from my face. Tears welling up in your eyes, uh-huh. having to break this news to me. And you're just like, it's Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just turned to you and I was like, oh, Bobby. Oh, no. <laughs> and for a brief second, I thought you were just fucking with me. Uh-huh. You know, like I thought that you were going to be like, it's Jacob. He signed with the Mets. Yeah. And then I realized, you know, when the other shoe did not drop. And you just didn't say anything else. I was like, well, it can't be good. Yeah. And I looked down at my phone, which had been in, in silent, in do not disturb mode, which is my new favorite thing to do. I just keep my phone in do not disturb all the time and just pretend like things don't happen. Yeah. And sure enough, tweet notification, Jeffrey Passan, ESPN.com, Jacob DeGrom, five years, $185 million. Is his full name Jeffrey? I don't know. Probably. Is Jeff a name? <laughs> I mean, it is a name, but do you think a name? (laughs) My full name is not Bob. You're right. My full name is not Alex. Jeffrey Scott Passon. There you go. Exactly. I was. See, I knew me and Jeff. We go way back, way back. I mean, I I guess I like I'm supposed to process this out loud on the podcast now. Like, is that what I'm supposed to do now? I just 
when moments like this happen, you know, there's like the initial disappointment for sure. But then I feel like it's much more of a death by a thousand cuts feeling. Like the initial is more, more like a punch to the gut. Like, damn, that really feels weird to read. And it feels weird to scroll my Instagram and see all of the photoshops of him wearing Rangers jerseys. But it's more, more so the fact that every day or every day of the baseball season for the next five years or however long he continues to play, he's not going to be on the Mets. And that's just going to be a strange feeling. So I, I never really know how to grapple with the idea that a player is no longer on your favorite team. And it's not because that player retired or it's not because that player was traded. You know, we go from when, when you think that a player is going to get traded because the team is entering a rebuilding window, which is something that you have a lot of experience with, you have more time to prepare because you expect that that's going to happen. But when a player just leaves in free agency, what here one day gone the next, I, I don't really know how to process that feeling. Honestly, I saw, I mean, we were all making jokes and we were all talking about how disappointed we are, but I don't, there's like a collective uncertainty to the whole situation that, that is just frankly a little bit foreign because most of the Mets players who I've loved the most, I, expected them to leave like we haven't had very many players who are like one team whole career franchise icons that got away like David Wright still retired with the Mets or other players who I would consider to be iconic Mets you could see the writing on the wall for a long time and I guess maybe in retrospect I should have seen that with DeGrom but he was always so quiet and secretive about how he felt being in New York that uh, maybe naively, I kind of just expected them to keep him. I mean, I think that really gets at it, right? Is that everyone sort of knew that this was a possibility, but I don't think that there was an overwhelming consensus that he actually was going to leave. Like, I think a lot of people kind of assumed that the Mets would do whatever they could to hold on to him, right? It's Steve Cohen, it's the richest owner in baseball. Obviously, he's opted out of the final year of his contract to try and negotiate a better, you know, final, what, what might be his final contract in baseball. Right. But like his final, like big payday. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be, how old is he? He's turning 37 next year. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll be 42. Yeah. I guess this is his, so like this is is probably, I mean, he might keep going, you know, (laughs) Well, Satchel Page energy. He could do it. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he can. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean, so that was the other, I think, sort of surprising thing was like sort of the scale of the contract. Yeah. He's obviously dealt with injuries. This takes him into, as you just mentioned, his his uh, age 42 season. And it's impossible to predict how he's going to be pitching, if at all, yeah. by the time that that comes around. And I, so I get why the Rangers did it, because he wants the security and they are trying to make a push in, uh, in a division that has the Astros and like no one else. Yeah, right? it is maybe not winnable, but like playoff spot grabbable. Right, as we've, sure. as we've seen, that window has gotten a lot wider to, to make it into the playoffs. But... The Rangers are a different element of this conversation that I'd love to, to yeah, dive into yeah. a little bit deeper because they're very Phillies-esque right yes. now. 
yeah, they're kind of pouring money. Yeah. Like if all it takes is money. (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we saw them kind of get started with this last offseason, right? With the Seeger and Simeon signings, um, which obviously single handedly did not push them into postseason contention. Uh, uh, Can I just do a little pet peeve right quick? Okay. (laughs) When all of the reporters are like the Rangers who committed $500 million last offseason, I'm like, the reporters just love to share the total value of two contracts mm-hmm. or the, the total value spent in an offseason that's like spread out over an unnamed amount of years. Right. Like who committed $500 million over the next 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, yeah. three years? Well, it doesn't matter two years, because they four years the check. That's this the money. Yeah, no, it's, you know, that now they have to give them all the money. They have to back up the Brinks truck to their house. Right. It's so silly. It's it's just such a weird framing. Yeah. No. Can we talk about like Manfred that way? Like Manfred, who uh, who's owed a hundred million dollars, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> which he probably is over some period of time. Can we talk about the local the RSN deals like that? Well, the, I mean, the Rangers we just ironically should <laughs> forty billion dollars <laughs> last off season. No, I know that. Again, whatever you can do to to spin it and create that that narrative, especially when it revolves around the economics of baseball, like writers are going to do that. But yeah. I, you know, I have to I have to hand it to the Rangers and their no and their oil backed ownership <laughs> group. It's not just oil, Alex. It's propane. That's right. Yes, it's cleaner. Yeah, it fuels <laughs> barbecues across the United States. Like what? <laughs> right. How like, many things can you name? You don't want people fuel? to have. Smoked ribs. You don't want people to have barbecued chicken. You don't want people to have burgers. What are you, un-American? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to Jake. Mm-hmm. A couple interesting things, but I want before we get into the to what has since come out after the signing. I want to say he is the best thing about being a Mets fan for the last in totality. For the last eight years since he debuted in 2014. Rookie of the year. I, was, I, I don't need to read all of his accolades. But from the very beginning, seeing him, it felt like found money. Like it felt like he was not the most hyped of that pitching, of those pitching prospects. He was not the most highly touted. He was not even a pitcher for most of his college career. And so when he came up and he was immediately good, Harvey was still there. Harvey was still great. And so people were more focusing on him. And all the while, he was just grinding away, getting better and better and better and better until he hit the apex, an apex that I have never seen any player get in baseball, (laughs) you know, like at their craft. I've never been as lucid for a player who was as good at his position as DeGrom was when he won the back-to-back Cy Youngs. And for parts of the next couple seasons, outside of the the injuries that sort of kept him off the field for the last two years, which I think is a, a larger factor in him leaving than maybe we're giving it credit for. A lot of people are talking about, oh, DeGrom is not really a fit for New York City. He's from Florida. Texas is a little bit closer to lifestyle-wise, how he would like to spend the latter part of his 30s and I guess the rest of his life. And so that was a big appeal for him. There's no state income tax in Texas. So the money goes a little bit further than in New York city where he has to pay higher income tax. And a lot of people are making a lot out of that. I'll say it becomes a lot easier 
to imagine life on another team when you you haven't been on the field much for your current team. And that's not the Mets' fault necessarily. It's not Jacob's fault necessarily either. But if things had been going swimmingly and he was continuing to win Cy Youngs and continuing to be the best, most consistent and healthy pitcher in baseball and the Mets are going deep into October, maybe his priorities change. Maybe he has better feelings about being with the Mets. And I think if we can sort of peel back the layers of that onion a little bit, and talk about why I was frustrated with the organization when I found out that he left. Not necessarily frustrated with with DeGrom, though I think his communication skills are maybe a little bit lacking, if I'm being frank, like if I'm being fair here to to Mets fans who have given him nothing but love and support. (laughs) I think that the, the years that he spent wasting away with teams that were underperforming because the club was a failure, under the Wilpons laid a weaker foundation than there should have been for a player of his caliber who was as loved and as successful with a marquee baseball team as he was. You know, like Tom Seaver didn't leave the Mets. They traded him. I don't think he would have left. He was the best pitcher alive by an order of magnitude and having great success. And he won a World Series with the New York Mets. And that's stuff that they could not provide to Grom. There was... Years and years of running jokes about how they couldn't get him run support. They couldn't build a team around him. And he was just pitching through it anyway. And I think it's it's not just that they wouldn't outbid the Rangers. It's that they didn't outbid the Rangers because they had a certain idea of how long they wanted to give a contract for. That's fine from a process perspective. The thing that is a failure here is that they didn't build the other elements of making a player happy, making a player comfortable for his entire career that would have made it the default choice for him to want to stay. And I don't think that was, I don't think that was the case. I don't think he was wanted to stay above all else. As long as the money was right. I think he was more on the fence about it as his kind of early decision to sign with a different team would indicate. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like a certain, sort of level of stability that kind of comes with a decision like this, right? In that you are moving to a team that's a little more out of the spotlight, that maybe is in a locale that's a little bit more your speed. Um, you're you're nearing the end of your career or you're on the the waning end of your career. And hey, I get it, man. So the the big lights of New York City aren't for everyone. Not wow. everyone. Not everyone can cut it out here. Wow, he's going Mad Dog Russo yeah, on him. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just say because because you mentioned not not wanting to um, to read all of his accolades earlier because it's not necessary. Jacob Degrom speak for himself. Yeah, I really enjoy when when teams sign a player and then feel the need to like justify that signing. <laughs> Yeah. With like a a paragraphs long press release. The the Rangers released a press release that was eight hundred and ten words. Damn. Talking about why Jacob deGrom is on the Rangers now. He's saying like, you know, one hundred one of his first two hundred four career starts, he allowed one or zero runs in it, which is the most through a player's first two hundred and nine starts and i'm like you can say he's jacob de and like leave it at that yeah like the title can be rangers inc jacob de to five-year deal and the body of it can be that's right we did 
Like I want. I are need, you I are you offering your services right now to <laughs> major am, league baseball yes. teams? Like, let me write the press releases. I will releases? be their copy editor. Yes. What's your rate? You gotta kill your darlings. <laughs> kill your darlings. <laughs> kill your darlings. The Mets killed their darlings yeah, by not bringing know, Jacob Degrom back. <laughs> Although I will say this press release was uh, useful in one aspect, in that it uh, corrected the record for us that he's only thirty four. <laughs> he's not thirty six right now. So so you know who knows? No no how no. This, he's thirty six. In physiological stress, you know all this talk about how like billionaires, like uh, my biological age is ten years younger than right, my actual yeah. age. Right, he's been he's two he's years been older than his actual nuts. age. Yeah, maybe more. <laughs> right, Jacob Degrom is seventy three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, there's a lot of like thoughts swirling around in my head about about why he would want to leave, what the Mets did to fail him. Why, why, even though like bringing Steve Cohen in is an, an improvement upon the Wilpons for like a more or less 13 billion different reasons, um, but that it creates a sort of like a different culture that maybe DeGrom is, is like a relic of the previous regime in a way. Like he's carrying over a lot of the baggage from the previous team. All of the rest of the stuff is like new and different and. Buck is a new manager and Scherzer is here now and they're trying to change things and they're trying to do things like the Dodgers and all the while DeGrom is like, well, I've been here since 2014 and I have like resentment in my heart for the New York Mets and how things were handled in certain situations. And honestly, I was underpaid by my last contract and I wanted to stay in New York because of the stability that that would provide me for my development. And I became the best pitcher in the world on this contract that was not paying me what my value was for. And so maybe it's just cleaner to turn over a new leaf and, and get my fair value from a new team that again, maybe aligns more with how I imagine the the exterior part of my life being lived. And all of that is fine. And that's his right to make that decision. Again, I just, I think it's disappointing because totally at the same time, like it, he's the kind of player who Mets fans deserved to have on their team for his whole career yeah and that's not his responsibility that's not should not be his priority to make his decision based on that but all of the people along the way who fucked something up to make it go wrong and make him leave should carry a little bit of that responsibility and that that is what hurts the most like that that is what hurts is that many many different times they could have made things better for him and you know, the TLDR of this whole conversation that we're having right now is the Mets failed him. Mm-hmm. The Mets failed him. 100%. They never won a World Series. They never provided him stability in the rotation, stability with coaching, stability with ownership. And I don't know. It's just the whole of it feels incredibly sad because this is a person who by himself is an event mm-hmm. that you make a whole day a whole season out of trying to go see him as many times as possible because or if you're not going to go to the game i would make a whole day out every time he's on tv sorry i'm not doing anything that night like so, like sorry we got to watch this at least until he comes out of the game because you don't know how long it's going to last health wise and you don't know how long he's going to be here and unfortunately that feeling that creeping feeling was validated yeah, I mean, I you you look at the decision and and the context of his years on the Mets, and it makes absolute sense that he would 
want to go for something new, right? You, he wants to win a World Series, as I think most baseball players probably do. I guess, right? but he signed with the Texas Rangers, so well, can't yeah. want to win it that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he may look at them and say, "Well, they're willing to at least commit money to." try and yeah. win right and right. and say hey look i this baseball team well, he would be wrong but I, well, <laughs> well he, wouldn't, allowed, he wouldn't be right with the mets right like i i guess but the mets are clearly in a better position to win a world series than the rangers you think over the next five years they are i like yes. with with without Degrom and then without scherzer unless you think they're gonna keep scherzer around for through the end of his career well i have no idea about that but well I, right i but think i just that, mean i feel i feel like it's the Rangers are, are certainly not in a position to become a powerhouse right now, but they are in a position to be, like you said, a Phillies-esque contender team who's able to yeah. sneak into the playoffs and whose strengths really play up. Like having Jacob deGrom in a three-game series, pretty fucking meaningful. Wasn't that meaningful for the Mets last well. year? <laughs> Except it was, because he w- was good and won his game Yeah, in that three-game series. Right. It was the other two guys that messed it up. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, h- how can you possibly predict that? I just think that, like, if your number one priority is winning a World Series and maximizing your opportunity to win a World Series, personally, I think it would make more sense to stay with the team that just won 101 games last year versus going to a team that won 68 games. Like, you don't know how healthy you're going to be in three years or four years when the Rangers are sort of getting to that point of really competing and really contending. And so I would think that if you all you wanted to do was win a World Series, then you would just stay with the team that was a, a real contender for the World Series last year. And especially would remain more of a contender for the World Series if you stayed with them. Yeah. Now it looks maybe slightly different because there's a lot of question marks about what the Mets should do or will do or can do or want to do. Like they're in on Justin Verlander. They're talking to him in that sort of like, Let's give him a lot of money for a short amount of time like we did with Max Scherzer because we can afford it, but it maybe doesn't um, it doesn't determine our strategy for the next seven years. It only determines our strategy for the next two years. Whatever. They're, I guess, having conversations with Carlos Rodon, too, who will cost them a lot in like draft capital, but won't cost them as much in terms of salary year draft over year. Draft capital. Yeah, Look at this guy capital, over maybe. here. It won't cost them quite as much... Uh, in salary over the next couple of years as someone like Justin Verlander. But I don't know. All of that stuff is kind of irrelevant to me. Like you had Jacob deGrom in the building yeah, for the last eight years. Yeah, and he's the best go. pitcher alive. Yeah, you should have <laughs> backed a dump truck full of money up to his house. Yeah, I mean, if it's up to me, just give him five years, 300 million. Like I, I, I don't really care <laughs> <Right>. personally. Like, <laughs> But of course, that was that's not, that's not reality. Like that's delusional to think that the Mets would just outbid anybody for the sake of outbidding people like yeah. no one is gonna teams are not gonna do that we we know that to be true about how teams operate now not not even the yankees are gonna they're not gonna the yankees will not blow every other offer out of the water for aaron judge they might say we'll provide the best offer so that we can make sure that we keep him but they're not gonna make it so overwhelming that if aaron judge wanted to leave because he wanted to live a different lifestyle like it seems like maybe jacob Degrom wanted to then I don't think that they're going to provide the a contract that is like a godfather offer, so to speak. No, you don't become 
worth fourteen billion dollars and get slapped I with an insider trading uh, fine by by spending money on whatever you want. <laughs> well, I mean, Steve Cohen kind of did, you know, all the art, the shark, <laughs> the eight million dollar shark or whatever. Yeah. Although, like, you know, that's a, that's an investment too. He's just doing that for tax purposes, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he didn't just like the the painting of the shark. It's a it's a sculpture, bro. Oh, it's a sculpture. Three D. You don't know the shark, bro. Come on, bro. The shark. <laughs> All right. Uh, are we are we good to move on? Can we move on, please? Can I bury this yeah. demon of yeah. mine? I just. I mean, I'm gonna miss him. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna miss him a lot. He. Uh, for me personally, like I love, I love, just love pitching so much, <laughs> you know, and like hitters go through slumps and to an extent pitchers go through rougher periods too, but DeGrom never did <laughs> when he was out there. It was pretty much guaranteed that he was going to be in the 99th percentile of pitchers. And there's just aren't a lot of players that you can say that about. Yeah. And it was just, um, it was great. Mm-hmm going to cherish those memories forever yep all right let's move on from one franchise icon to another (laughs) going to play in texas instead of staying with their team (laughs) jose abreu signing with the defending world champion houston astros three years 58.5 million um jerry reinsdorf he stinks yeah he just is the worst Mm -hmm. he's maybe if we did a most terrible owners draft Like we did last year, least terrible owners mm-hmm. with Cespedes Family Barbecue. If we brought them back and we did most terrible owners draft, I don't think it would be as fun, but it would be easier. Absolutely. Oh, that's so easy. <laughs> just be Jerry, <laughs> Artie Moreno. Yeah. You know, um, I guess the the like the contract itself is not a contract that I look at and say, "Hey, the White Sox could have easily or should have easily beat this." I think a lot of people, there were definitely a lot of teams interested in Jose Abreu. He provides a very predictable and needed skill set. He hits for power and average and doesn't do a lot else. You know, like he's good at driving in runs. He's, he's one of the better hitters from a macro perspective in Major League Baseball for the last half decade. But he doesn't provide a ton of defense, doesn't provide a ton of base running, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the advanced metrics crowd doesn't love him but i think to a team that already wins on the edges like the astros do he can provide a level of like stability and just pure baseball player that is really valuable to them and so i don't look at the contract and say wow that's reinsdorf being overly cheap by not wanting to beat that but similar to the the jake situation i look at his time with the white Sox and their many myriad failures and say, well, you really lost this battle before this offseason mm-hmm. with Abreu. You made it shitty for him to be part of the White Sox organization because of your many failures as an owner. And so even if you offered him the same contract, chances are he was probably going to leave anyway because this team has floundered <laughs> under Jerry Reinsdorf's ownership, basically stretching all the way back since they m- made a miraculous run to win the World Series in the mid-2000s. Yeah, I mean, Abreu has been a cornerstone of this team as they've tried to make a push over the last eight years or so. I mean, he has been... And and I feel like 
him playing on the White Sox has meant that he hasn't always gotten the shine that he deserves as being one of the best first basemen in baseball over that period of time, right? He's been an above average hitter every year he's been in the major leagues, right? Yeah. Career 134 OPS. Damn, that's pretty bad. 134 OPS? You mean OPS plus? <laughs> Career worst hitter of all time. <laughs> Career 134 OPS plus. Yeah. MVP caliber seasons. MVP literal seasons. Mickey Mouse MVP though. <laughs> stop. Stop. <laughs> and and just like a like a great veteran presence as well on a team that has featured a lot of uh younger developing players. Yeah. He's like he's like um you know how some people are like a comics comic. They're not as popular as like stadium comics, but like other comics love them. He's a baseball player's baseball player. Yeah. He's just a fat lip, hits, just does nothing but hits. You know, he rakes and he's not here for the bullshit. You know, he looks like a baseball player. Mm-hmm. He acts like a baseball player. He talks like a baseball player. And I think beloved for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. So like my heart goes out to White Sox fans yes. right now because this one hurts. And and obviously it was I think kind of accepted to a certain degree that Abreu was probably going to go somewhere else. The White Sox have been relatively open about their desire to bring in Andrew Vaughn and make him their primary first baseman cuz why have Jose Abreu when you can have Andrew Vaughn? There's something about it not being like a hundred million dollar deal, one fifty million dollar deal, where you look at your team and you're like, but like we could have done that, yes. right? Like the fact that it is a little bit smaller in scale makes you just wonder just a little bit. Yeah, was it not worth it to right. you just for like the intangible aspects of it yeah. to keep him around because he is he really is like a kind of a franchise icon of this last decade, you know, and. Part of it to me is that like there seems to just be sour feelings across the board in that organization for everybody, mm-hmm. you know? Like it doesn't seem like anyone's having a good time. <laughs> I think Jose Abreu included and so I think for for him to sign a similar deal or even a deal that's slightly better with the White Sox, it's like for you know, for what? Like what have you guys given me yeah. to incentivize me to stay around when I can sign with the Astros? And I can actually compete and try to win a World Series when, for the last few years, I've been busting my ass to try to turn this team into a contender. And I've been playing well this whole time through all of the turbulence. I've been the steady force in this locker room. I've been the steadying player face of this franchise, along with Tim Anderson, for the fan base. And all of that has been rewarded with a lack of investment from ownership and the hiring of one of the worst managers we've ever seen. Not, not extending back to Tony LaRusso's reputation, but what he did with the White Sox. Right, just in terms of like single of, hiring. Some yeah. of the worst managing we've seen since the, the turn of the century. Yeah. And it's like, for Jose Abreu, it's like, why would I waste the last few years of my career doubling down and justifying your behavior? And... I think again, like very similar in my mind to how I how I feel about my anger towards the Mets for even creating an environment in which Degrom would want to leave, despite all of the success that he had with the Mets, despite all of the personal player development and accolades that he won, and despite how much the fans embraced and loved him. That's very similar to how I feel with Abreu. Yeah, it's like 
you guys basically made a mistake at every single turn in the entire organization, and you didn't create a place that he would even want to stay. So it felt like a foregone conclusion that he was not going to be with the White Sox anymore. Yeah, I mean, I love I love kind of thinking about the scope of a player's career if they had spent their their entire professional baseball career in, in the major leagues, right? He came over when he was 27. Yeah. Um, and if he has another six or seven years in the major leagues, he's hitting 500 home runs and is, you know, a Frank Thomas type character, I think, to that organization, right? That that yeah. level of importance. And fuck, man, there's just no loyalty anymore. Nah, bro. If he came over five years earlier, he would just be gone five years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. <laughs> um, Cool player. Great player. Yep. Great figure in the game of baseball. A perfect example of a guy who's just fun to go to his baseball reference page. Mm-hmm. More fun to go to his B-Ref page than his Fangraphs page. Absolutely. It's just like, this guy hits... The counting stats are shocking, eye-popping. <laughs> right. 1984 would have been obsessed with this guy. Yes, literally. Um, but I will say, they made up for it with the Clevenger signing. <laughs> One year, 12 million. Come on. Doesn't get oh, any better. Oh, man. Doesn't get any better. Talk about substituting a guy who seems like the the best hang for a guy who seems like, like the, the worst hang. Worst hang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like projected vibes versus like actual vibes. Like Clevenger, you're like, oh, he's... All sunshine oh, and rainbows. Look at, look at the cleats. Yeah. Oh, oh. and then he has to get there. And you're wind like, up. Damn, this guy stinks. Yeah, not not fun. Remember he when he was not good enough to get into the Padres rotation for the playoffs last year, <laughs> despite the fact that he was one of their like at one point one of their marquee pitching trades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he stinks. You know who would have been better for the Padres if they could actually develop pitchers? Cal Quantrill, the guy they traded him for. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for the next baseball season to start. Oh my god, this is going to be uh, crazy. All right, there were other signings and stuff, but I don't I don't think anything that rises to the level of a deep dive for the Tipping Pitches podcast. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, do some quick hit news stories. I think off seasons here, you know, no games being played, no no TV contracts being fulfilled, no gate receipts. It must be a slow time for MLB revenue. It must be tough to keep the lights on mm-hmm. for all the executives who are there grinding, burning the midnight oil, right. trying to pull off these trades and signings. Um, well, if you think that you would be wrong, <laughs> the Disney Corporation, the Walt Disney corporation not sure if you've heard of them um going through a lot of turmoil Mm -hmm. these days stock price in the tank lost four billion dollars or something or one and a half billion dollars on streaming in one quarter yeah not good this is i just want to say this is what happens when companies go woke (laughs) i sorry direct correlation fucking go woke go broke yeah well fortunately for major league baseball and their affiliated owners uh, they were not too broke to pay $900 million for the remaining portion of BAM Tech, which is the MLB advanced media technology company that created MLB TV and the streaming platform that Disney then purchased to build Disney Plus on. Um, 
Disney acquired the majority of that company a few years ago, probably five or six years ago, for around $4 billion. And now they wanted to acquire the rest of it. Um, they paid $900 million, just short of a billion dollars, for the final, I don't how, what, final what percent? 15% stake. The final 15%, yeah. <laughs> the final 15%, 900 mil, okay, uh, of BamTech. And so Disney owns it all, 100% mm-hmm. of BamTech. And MLB has fully cashed in that platform that they built up and sort of trailblazed in the online streaming, media streaming, video streaming world, um, much to the delight of their owners who have now made you know close to $5 billion collectively off of that yeah. development. Yeah. Um, Nothing like cashing a $30 million check for work that was done two decades ago, you know? Like, <laughs> and not by you, right. <laughs> by like some, like some coding nerds. <laughs> um. So that that that's roughly about thirty million dollars mm-hmm. per team that they are just um, that they're just cashing in right now in the off season. And I think it's a good reminder of how you know this in con- in conjunction with uh, Rob's press conferences around the World Series, where he basically said that we're back to pre pre pandemic levels of revenue. They made around eleven billion dollars this past year collectively league-wide um it's just a good reminder that like as we are now one full year away from a new cba and everything is getting back to normal in terms of money that they are bringing in that like the splashes the quote-unquote free agent splashes are are really just like them needing to put the money somewhere (laughs) (laughs) or else they'll be making too much money and have to pay like too much taxes on it yeah and I, I, I just thought it was funny perspective, given that like some dominoes in free agency are starting to fall. I mean, it's just one more piece of evidence to never believe what they say when they are talking about the economics of the sport. Right. Like I, I don't have a refined take here. I just good on good on Disney, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just crossing their T's and dotting their eyes. They needed. They needed a win. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say that. Do you think um do you think this was Bob Iger's first move when he got back in the door? Or do you think this was a Chapek decision? Mm, interesting. Like, is there gonna be a sour taste left in, in Iger's mouth is, now? Is Iger gonna turn around and be like, no, MLB, buy this back? <laughs> Cult of personality that he is. Uh I mean, MLB could afford it, right? Easy. Easy money. Five billion dollars to buy this thing back. That's then- half of what they made this past year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like our continued um, our continued bit on this podcast where we treat revenue like just money that they have in in hand, right? <laughs> like know? like they literally like Disney Venmo, MLB <laughs> like nine hundred million dollars. Notification on Rob's phone pops <laughs> right. up. And it's like, oh shit, nice time to pay off the credit card, right? <laughs> I I don't I refuse to understand further how it works. I have a question. Okay, here's just a just a just a general you know, accounting question for mm-hmm. you. When one company gives another company $900 million, how do they do that? Like, how does the money go from one place to another? Is this like a wire transfer? Right. Like, is there a human being who is writing down or typing in the routing number for Disney Corporation mm-hmm. to Major League Baseball Corporation? Right. I mean, these are great questions. And if so... <laughs> This is the new segment that we have where I ask a bunch of questions that you don't have the answer to. Uh-huh. 
That's, that's this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like, it's called so it, still tipping. <laughs> so like, is, so, so if someone makes a mistake, basically just like Bobby get $900 million by accident, like right. could that happen? Right. And if so, how many people need to say, yes, that's the right number. <laughs> Cause people make mistakes all the time. Human error. What if and the NFL gets this nine hundred million dollars instead? Then does Roger Goodell have to like give the nine hundred million dollars back, or is that just found money? I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the scenario in which you accidentally wire it to the NFL instead of Major League. Like they're is just it right the, next to each the, other in the phone book. The directory? routing numbers are the exact same except for the last digit. All you know? the like all, they bracket together all of the sports leagues. You right. know, it's just for ease. You just checked the wrong box. Right. It's that's so like Roman. You know, only has to change one number in their routing number when they're trying to take out like thousands of ads. Yeah. <laughs> With these different sports leagues, right, right. I, I mean, because because I really I really do think it's just like a one person typing a routing number pro- to I mean, the other person. I right. mean, that person is probably highly paid, and it's probably like a third party company that just does this, yeah. you know. And they probably make like three times what I make, but it also just sug- to type routing numbers it, in. It also suggests that like, do they both just have like debit accounts? You know, like does MLB <laughs> this bank is what with I Wells want Fargo? To know. <laughs> Well, nobody banks at Wells Fargo. <laughs> I do against my better judgment. Come on, bro, you're getting I scammed. I know <laughs> you got to get scammed by a more legitimate corporation like Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Hey, they suggested I buy a house, and they were really convincing about <laughs> it. So, I don't don't they like not do loans anymore? Or something like mortgages? Were they just like we're getting out of that game? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are a bank. Like sorry, we uh, we're not really interested in uh, releasing a podcast every week. Anymore. Yeah, right. We're getting out of that game. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things about Wells Fargo is that they still sponsor the, where the Sixers and and Flyers play uh-huh. in Philadelphia, and it's like it's a nice reminder that like not every company or bank or whatever that sponsors something is really going to be like crushing it in like eight years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. We think Lone Depot is going to be doing well in right, 10 years. Yeah. Like, probably not. It's probably going to look really dumb that Lone Depot sponsors. And that's that's without even making a Crypto.com Arena joke. God damn it. I was about to go there, man. <laughs> Saw it in your eyes. That's- <laughs> so back to my accounting question. They just, have, they just have a bank account that's like, in this bank account, there are $5 billion. And this is my acquisitions bank account. Right. Or is this like one of those things where like, they write up a little memorandum that's like, you're going to get $900 million worth of Disney stock that's right. going to be dispersed over six years and whatever. Or is it like cash, cash? I feel like for something like this, it's got to be cash, right? Again, these are unanswerable questions. Right. Why would Jerry Reinsdorf sign off on this if it wasn't just cash going into his pocket? Literally, yeah. Or the learners or Artie Moreno. They need that 30 milli before they sell out. Yeah, you got to cash out and sell the squad. I don't know. These are good questions. If if anyone listening to this knows the answers, or if anyone listening to this is the person who makes these transactions, <laughs> let or us, the Disney Corporation. or the Disney Corporation, <laughs> we're really I, I think we're really popular with the accounting department of the Disney Corporation. We actually are. we're like over we oversample <laughs> we're overrepresented in that. I mean population. I mean the amount of time we spend talking about. MLB TV, yeah, dude. That's free true. advertising. We're basically giving them ideas. It's not always good <laughs> what we're talking about, but we're talking about it. You know that might actually be true because it seems like every time we're at a baseball game, you and I, and we're like sitting up in the four hundreds, whatever, we're chilling, we're having a good time. We spend like twenty, thirty, sometimes thirty-five bucks on tickets, depending on how good the other team is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stupid world that we live in. Um, 
and we tweet that we're there, and you know, there maybe a listener slides in the DMs or whatever. It always seems like they're sitting behind home plate. What's going on with yeah. that? We got a mm-hmm. bunch of rich listeners. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna put everybody on blast now. What's going on? Yeah, we, come sit with the proletariat. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you can't see it well from up here. Or, or I'm willing to be offered a ticket to sit behind home plate with you. Right. Okay. Other, sit with the proletariat, or invite me. Bribe us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> this is our heel turn. Um. So that thirty million dollars mm-hmm. that's going to each team comes at an interesting time for um Mark Atanasio, <laughs> one the owner of. The Milwaukee Brewers, who has decided that um, he doesn't want to pay anyone any money to play baseball for his team. Anybody who makes over a couple mil, <laughs> it's just going to be a no for me, dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Brewers are salary dumping. They're the NL Central's latest to blatantly try to trade all of their players who are making more than a couple million dollars. You know, this is a little bit of a trend. Pirates have been doing it for decades. The Reds decided they were going to do it all in one offseason last year. And now it seems like it's the Brewers. Um, it's taken shape in the form of trading Hunter Renfro to the Los Angeles Angels. He was he he's due to make what about like 10, 11 million bucks in arbitration now. He's like late arb. Um, and he's had a few good years in a row now. Uh you might think that that's a good player to keep around because he's good and still on arbitration, but you know, you might think that. Mark might not. Um, and they also traded Colton Wong to the Mariners, who uh, similarly, I think, is an arbitration player who's going to make a few million dollars more than the Brewers would have wanted to pay. And so, I don't know, man. I, I It's funny timing, given that this is happening right on the heels of, like I said, Manfred saying how much money the league made and uh, the $900 million coming in and being dispersed to each of the individual clubs. And it's also funny timing, given that David Stearns, the president of baseball operations for the Brewers, decided to step down last year into an advisory role, um, sparking a lot of rumors. He's one of the the youngest and most sought-after executives in Major League Baseball right now, sparking a lot of rumors about whether that meant he was going to go to a bigger team. Um, He's been... I don't know if he's been linked to the Mets as much as the Mets have wanted to link him to them. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But that sparked a lot. And then, so that sparked a lot of rumors when he stepped down. And now it seems like this is sort of the other shoe to that story. And that ownership might've provided him a little bit of a uh, future blueprint and said, do you want to be a part of this? And he said, "Eh, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe I'd like to spend a little bit of time with my family and then maybe relocate to a different organization while you guys are tearing it down. Yeah. So same shit, different day? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's a little hard to know what to make of this, right? Because the Brewers still have a handful of good young players and guys like Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. And I mean, Christian Yelich is certainly there. He's he's still on the team. He's gone the way of Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I fear. Um, (laughs) So it's not like they are completely receding from competitiveness, but that may change three months from now, right? And that may change at the trade deadline if they are out of contention. You know, apparently they're already, according to The Athletic, they're already fielding, um, they're already doing some preliminary shopping uh, those players around. All of them? 
I don't know about all every single one of them, but I think they're I think they're listening. You know, they're in listening mode, mm, mm. right? Where it's like, what do you? What can you do for me? You know, as much as I'm gonna miss Jacob Degrom, something that would make me feel better is lying down, my head down on a pillow every night, knowing that Corbin Burns is gonna pitch for the New York Mets. Yeah, uh-huh. the next day. Yep. <laughs> make it happen, Steve. I mean. <laughs> Uh, Steve's gonna be the half. Steve's gonna have to be the one calling because it seems like Billy Epler doesn't really do doesn't, anything. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really sure what he's doing. Um, obviously the the competitive landscape of the sport looks a little different next year because they're reducing the the intra division play that allowed some teams to beat up on the on the cellar dwellers, so to speak. Like the, like the Reds, like the Pirates, all of a sudden the Brewers, who you know are are able to win eighty five, eighty seven games, now have to do that facing off against a more balanced slate of opponents. And I don't know. It's just cut kind of, again. The jury's still out on really the direction that they're going to go in. I don't want to be premature in in evaluating this, but I know you got the money. Yeah. I like I'm I have no doubts that you could afford to keep them around. They're kind of an interesting case. Like they are still they're holding firm to the idea that they don't have the money. You know, more more than even other small market quote unquote small market clubs are. Like it feels like the the general shift in tone about small market versus big market, which I think has trended to more fans saying, well, small market doesn't really exist. You know, like look at what the Padres are doing in a similarly sized market to your market and they're over the luxury tax. It feels like the Brewers are just powering through that logic and saying like, no, that doesn't apply to us. Like we actually don't have any money. And I don't know, maybe this is another question for our fellow accountants listening to the pod. Like maybe they don't have as much money or maybe they're maybe their RSN deal is not as good or maybe but it feels unlikely and certainly certainly I don't think that they can go out there and say hey we're going to spend 300 million dollars every year but they could retain players who are in that like middle the sort of like uh mid-tier player like Hunter Renfro who is useful who doesn't have an obvious replacement Colton Wong doesn't have an obvious replacement they're sort of like Wong specifically is kind of like a extremely useful Swiss Army knife of a, of an infielder who any good team could use. And so, if you're not keeping that guy, I guess what you're saying is like you're not really intending to be that good, right? <laughs> because he's someone who has a home with most good teams, even if he's not like your marquee player, your marquee signing, your marquee trade acquisition. Like he was, I think, got a slightly less fanfare than when the Mariners traded for Teoscar Hernandez. Just because he just doesn't, I guess, turn as many heads, but he's just as good, you know. Like he's, um, I don't know. It's it's moderately disappointing, but but not surprising. And I mean, I, when I look at the NL Central, I <laughs> I don't see a lot going on. It it honestly reminds me of a few years back when we would look at the AL Central, and there's just like a team that's atop it regularly by default like the cardinals are not that good right they're certainly not good enough that you should be trying to push your own competitive window back right like the dodgers were not even forcing the padres to push their competitive window back there the padres decided to steer into the skid and so 
it's a little disappointing when you don't see other teams do that, especially the the Brewers who, in a lot of ways, were a success story of building a team under certain financial constraints, but still making a legitimately good team that was sniffing 100 wins a few years back, like as recently as like 2017 and 2018. They were among the better teams in the NL, even though that didn't translate to a World Series win necessarily. So, I don't know. They They... More than any other team, I guess not more than the Rays necessarily, but they seem like they're trying to make a dollar out of fifteen cents all mm-hmm. the time, and yeah. it's like you have the dollar, so just spend. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, like it, why? Like it's not. It's not even fun. You're you're just handcuffing yourself for no reason, and, and I don't know. At least, at least with them, they're not like sort of as hoity-toity about it as like the Rays usually are, or as the media surrounding the Rays would lead you to believe. And speaking of the Rays, Alex, <laughs> our final topic this week. The, the Rays decided to get into real estate. About fucking time, man. That's where the real money is. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear Florida real estate is very valuable. Yes. Uh, can you share the details of this? Because I did not read this story. Yeah, so this past Friday, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, submitted a proposal in partnership with a, with a global development group um, to redevelop the 86-acre site on which Tropicana Field sits, mm. it and the, and you know the kind of surrounding area. They want to. Um, they have big plans, mm-hmm. big big plans. Uh, in addition to a new ballpark, so in addition, in addition, that's kind of get that part out of the way, right? Because that's less interesting. Uh, the the plan would include more than five thousand seven hundred multifamily units. Great oh. housing creators. Nice. Uh, One point four million. I love my new landlord, Eric Neander. <laughs> 1.4 million square feet of office, 300,000 square feet of retail, 700 hotel rooms, 600 senior living residences, because they share, and uh, a, a 2,500 capacity entertainment venue. That doesn't seem right. Is that like a Xfinity Live? <laughs> <laughs> it, I think so. Let's go. Um, okay, wait, really quickly, before you move on. Yeah. I like how... Um, I like how they gave the total square footage for the office space and the the retail space, but then the amount of units for the multifamily, mm-hmm. so as to not expose the fact that the total square footage of housing is going to be less than the other two. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> they make you do that math in your own head. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, because that number doesn't look as good, right? If you can say you're building 57, if you can say you're building 5,700 homes, Right. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Are you serious? It's like fucking 20,000 people roof over their head. I, yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Stu Sternberg. <laughs> uh, the, this doesn't mean anything. <laughs> There's there four groups submitted bids. In theory, the 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 mayor of in theory the mayor of St. Petersburg, one Ken Welch, mm. will will pick a winner by January. Mhm. But as we know, there are so many hoops to jump through when it comes to actually trying to build a stadium, especially when you are not just building a stadium. You're yeah. trying to like start your own company town, you know? Yeah. It, having to turn everything into like a sovereign city, <laughs> like honestly following like the Disneyland model yeah. is what most of these baseball teams are doing now. Yes. And... I mean, 
it's pretty clear that all of the praise that certain teams have gotten for following this plan, quote unquote, successfully, has just led it to be become the end vogue thing. Like every every team, no team wants to build Camden Yards now. Every team wants to build the battery. Yeah, and that's because it's, or you know wants to build, um, Wrigleyville. It's just it's just more financially solvent for them. I suppose because they can convince cities to give them more money because that creates diversified revenue streams, which is their favorite thing. And because they don't actually know how to monetize baseball anymore. Um, as evidenced by the fact that they'll take money from anyone to, to advertise on their baseball games. So, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all part of the same problem, I guess. I, I guess I missed this memo, but just like the Rays are definitely staying in Tampa, St. Pete. Like I know that Rob said that they were, that they were not going to move, but that as he sort of gave his updates about the A's and the Rays, he was like, well, it seems like the A's might have to move and the Rays are not going to move. That was like the latest statement from him. But this seems like a level of commitment to that exact area of St. Petersburg, which, I mean, I've never been there, but like from everything I've read about it, seems like not the best way place to be to get people to actually come to the game. Like there's a, huge traffic problem in driving to it because it's like mostly accessible by freeway. And so therefore a lot of people from Tampa Bay don't actually go there because I think it's located in St. Petersburg, which is sort of like a neighboring city situation. So I, Michael Bauman wrote a good story about this for the ringer a few years ago. Um, but I guess they're just doubling down. Yeah. So like, I, I mean, guess if we make our own population here, we <laughs> right. Just get I mean, right. Exactly. I mean, if, as long as you lock the gates, they have nowhere else to go. <laughs> right. And like, what are they going to wander around 300,000 square feet of empty office, office space? space? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I, this is a commitment insofar as the Rays have committed to sitting down to make a plan yeah. for this. Right. Yeah. Which, again, means very little. Right. The A's have poured millions and millions of dollars into, you know, creating a so-called plan for they have a their lot of really pretty pictures, and it, and they have a ton of really pretty pictures. Exactly, the Rays similarly <laughs> have some very pretty pictures. I we should get into that business, bro. I don't really see. You're pretty good at Photoshop. You so we you want me to start doing like architectural renderings? Yes. Of baseball stadiums, like at, like ones that exist right now, or we could like, undercut. Or like, the architectural firms that are doing these, like we could price them out of it because yeah. it's definitely gonna be more than we're making from this podcast. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And how hard is it? You just it can be part of tipping pitches media, you know, like you know, like in Parks and Rec, they have Entertainment Seven Twenty, right? And they just like do a bunch of weird shit that doesn't actually make any money. I mean, if <laughs> we could do that, <laughs> if baseball teams think this is good business, <laughs> why would we not want to get in on it, right? Yeah, exactly. Crypto next. Yeah, I mean, I studied urban studies in college right, right. like whatever that's so that's oh, easy write that easy down money <laughs> write that down <laughs> we could turn the other half of this room into a casino <laughs> you can, you step in there and you can bet <laughs> you can bet while watching us record the pod yeah you got to pay a premium for it of course give a little juice to the house you know these aren't bad ideas i'm gonna i am gonna make note of them okay good this is being recorded so that's yeah. it's a way of making a note <laughs> Um. Yeah, like I said, I I'm not holding my breath for anything. I mean, the Rays have been through this exact process before in recent years, yeah. and it yeah. hasn't come through. So, I certainly don't think this means they're they're actually committing to 
staying. I think, like most baseball owners will tell you, they're committed to staying if it's on their terms. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're committed to laying out a vision for what would keep them there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Not really enacting said vision or plan or putting forth the commitments, financial commitments to making that thing happen. I mean, do you know all the sh- shit that I would promise to do if I didn't have, have to, to actually it. follow through on them? You could be president. That'd be easy. Exactly. <laughs> Zing. Urban studies. Urban studies major at NYU, comma, president, <laughs> comma. Tipping Pitches Media CEO. I saw some blowback after we called ourselves CEOs in the last pod. Oh, yeah? Yeah. A couple people in the Slack. you like, not Bobby and Alex saying that they're CEOs. I don't know what you thought this was, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make money somehow, right? Speaking we live in a spe- society. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> There's no conscious chief executive officering <laughs> exactly. under capitalism. <laughs> um, speaking of being a CEO, have you made any progress on becoming Alex Rodriguez's protege? Maybe a LinkedIn connection? You know, I haven't. There are no LinkedIn postings up. I do check every few weeks just to make sure. Right. I don't even think his website has a careers page. That feels illegal. Like, how can you be a company and not put jobs anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you just have to be his we have a nephew, company with but, no well, careers yeah. <laughs> page. You just have to be his nephew. Um, well, once again, I think this is a good off-season project for you. And bringing up Alex Rodriguez gives me an opportunity to shout out the Alex Rodriguez VIP club members this week. Uh, we shout out five of you every week. There are many, many of you in that tier of the Patreon. Uh, those five members this week are Alex, Sam, Matt, Austin, and Jack. And because I forgot to mention them at the top of the show, the new patrons this week are Trevor and Julia. Thank you you too um you can sign up for our patreon at patreon.com slash tipping pitches you could buy merch maybe for the holidays tipping pitches.myshopify.com and you know what else you can do for the holidays and the giving spirit you can give someone the gift of sending them this podcast <laughs> we're gonna my salesman skills yeah you no, know this is good this is what I actually have to do for my job. So you're doing, you're killing it. Right, exactly. You can, um, jobs are fake. Jobs are so fake. I know. <laughs> you know what I have to do for my job? This. <laughs> Edit pods. Uh, create content for the world. Yeah. Content consumers of the world. Um, but actually, though, if you are not a member of the Patreon, or you don't have merch, but you, you maybe don't want to spend on that quite yet, Truly, something that we are very thankful for is when people share this with someone that they think might like the pod, because that is the best way that we can find new people to listen. And it's been a while since I've done this spiel at the end of the pod, so I'm doing my due diligence here. My fiduciary duty to Tipping Pitches Media yeah, the stakeholders is, will be pleased. is to hawk it at the <laughs> end of the pod, and uh, we're very appreciative of everybody who has already done that, and will continue to do that. Alex, anything else for the people? Are you happy to have acquired a Jacob deGrom jersey mere weeks before <laughs> he left the New York Mets? Like, is this on me? Like, did I bring my yes, my obviously. bad A's fan mojo? You know, because this is this is what happens. I buy an A's jersey and then the player leaves. You know that I blame nobody but myself for everything that happens to the Mets, right? <laughs> so yes, it is on. Yes, you. it is on me. <laughs> yeah, I've been here before. Uh, 
Welcome to the club. Uh, real quick before we dip, speaking of the A's, can you guess uh, the the amount of money they have committed to their payroll next year? Ooh, great, great game. Twenty eight million. <laughs> what is that right? No, that's that. You're you're way high on that. one. I'm high. Yeah, twenty eight million. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I got, okay. So so let me just is this not not including arb players? Right. So so this does not include. Include ARB players. Okay. Um, well, that's tough because all their players are ARB. <laughs> yeah. Actually, all of them are pre-ARB. <laughs> Not all of it. They have... Okay. So here's, okay, 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 okay. here's okay, what I'll let say. Let me guess again. Let me guess again. Okay. 13 million. Keep going. <laughs> what? That's not... How is that even possible? They have they have 25 players right. on the roster. 26, yeah. 26 players on the roster. And the league minimum is seven hundred thousand dollars. So how can the committed money <laughs> be less than thirteen million? Well, okay. So I, I mean, I don't think they've committed the the pre-arb money yet. Technically, I mean, I suppose technically they have to pay it at some point. What's the answer? We're going off Sport Track, okay? Okay. Spot Spot Track. I no, was... you got to go to Fangraphs roster resource, bro, because do... they factor in that stuff. They factor in what people are going to make in pre-arb when they know it. You can even filter it so that, I think you can even filter it so that they can give you an estimation of what they'll make even after arbitration based on you know the season that they had the, pre- the previous year. All right. So if you're including pre-arb, we're at, we're at about $34 million. See, 28 was pretty good. 28 was pretty good. Yes. Thank you. I'm here all week. <laughs> four playing the pod. Four uh, arbitration el- eligible players. They're... Uh, they're going to make a whopping twelve million total. Oh wow! At least one of them, Sean Murphy, will will not be on the baseball team by March. You're never going to guess who I think he should go to. Okay, the New York Mets. <laughs> I listen. I'm willing. I'm making you an offer right now. Listen, my name is Billy Appler. David, how was your Thanksgiving? You're David Force. David, oh, okay. How was your Thanksgiving? And you say, it was good, Billy. It was good, Billy. <laughs> and I say, hey, I got an idea. I'd love to hear it. I will pay all of James McCann's salary. And I'll give you Ronnie Mauricio. <laughs> and, you know, you can even have Mark Vientos if you want him. <laughs> He's the kind of player that the A's would turn into like a four-win player. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I want Sean Murphy. And you say, nice doing business with you. This will really make the Tipping Pitches podcast happy. Click, hang up the phone. <laughs> Scene. <laughs> I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Forced is giving up enough in that deal. I think he'd probably want to throw in someone else. <laughs> Do you have anyone else making more than like $30,000 a year? No. <laughs> oh, I love Tony Kemp though. I do too, but I don't. I mean, you I think know. he's maybe past the point of his career where he's going to meaningfully contribute to a World Series team. Wow. He's bad. Wow. I like him, but he's not good. <laughs> I mean, he's fine. But this We're arguing like, about what? Tony <laughs> Kemp in minute eighty of the pod. Like, what? <laughs> what do you think that final number comes in at? Under fifty? This is I. I, yes, I almost yes. listen. Issuing a correction on my previous statement that you do not have to hand it to the Oakland Athletics under any circumstances, but I almost do want to hand it to them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of impressive to build such a low. Like this would be low for like 2006. <laughs> it's 2022. Yeah, I mean, we're 
slowly moving into we need to force John Fisher to sell the team territory. And like me- mentally, mentally, I'm already there, right? I've been there for, for years. Well, you want him to sell the team so that you can have more time to spend with him. Yes, exactly. This takes up so much of his time. We haven't been able to do our Trivia Tuesdays <laughs> as of late. <laughs> John Fisher, not a good cultural fit for New York City, though. <laughs> no. Him and Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, I don't really want to know what songs he sings at karaoke. Oh, man. All I'm saying is... He sings the five to nine, working five five to nine, the Dolly Parton sellout for the commercial. He sings that one. Like Fiverr or whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. I just... This is organizational practice. We're so far beyond I know. I know. Like the writing's on the wall. It's been there, man. It's really bad. Yeah. I mean, you would think that this would be bad for the product, for the sport, and that a commissioner would maybe want to disincentivize this kind of behavior. Why would you think that? Just not, why, why? One might think. Uh, okay. That does it for this week's episode of Tipping Pitches. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya. What's your favorite U2 song? I don't have one because U2 isn't good. Yeah, obviously not. But it doesn't mean that you can't have a favorite song of theirs. Um, don't you have a favorite MGK song? <laughs> I can only actually name like four U2 songs. Right. Like Bloody Sunday. Right. Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Uh, you know, Beautiful Day. That one's a banger. <laughs> it's actually not. <laughs> I disagree. You think it's good? Yeah. I mean, it's corny. It's you know, beautiful day. And it's pandery. But it's like when I think of like a U2 song, right. like that's that platonic, you know, like huge yeah. atmospheric. Right. Trying to say something without actually having to say anything, yeah. you know? I got one. Yeah. My favorite is Where the Streets Have No Name. Ooh, yeah. Because when we went to Joshua Tree, I kept just being like, this street has no name. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm never traveling with you. Where the streets start, have no start, name. Let's start off talking about how YouTube has been unfairly maligned. I don't feel like I know enough about how they've been maligned yeah, to do a bit in support of them. I know. I mean, know? I mean, right. I mean, they haven't been that maligned, right? Like, they're the biggest rock band of the last like, three decades. <laughs> right. Yeah. The heart is a bloom. <laughs> Should have done that at karaoke. There's no huge. I'll add that to my playlist. <laughs> That would be really funny to pull out. We just just get just got done with Stacy's mom. It's right. time to do it with her without you. I'm gonna whip out sunglasses, put like a leather jacket on. <laughs> it's a beautiful day. All right, I'm going now, so you can stop singing. You too. Well, I'll stop when you start. <laughs> it sounds like it could be the name of a U two song. I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop, stop when, when you start. start. <laughs>